Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome on a Saturday morning. It's so nice to see you. Thank you to, for joining us. I hope you have a nice cup of coffee or a tea or whatever amphetamine you use in the morning to get through your life. We are Inside Texas, sponsored by InsideTexas.com. And today, this is our Saturday roundtable. It's an opportunity for us in season to talk about the opponents that are coming up or the things that happened during the week. In the offseason, this is an opportunity for us to dig deeper into the program. And that's what we're going to do today. With us, we've got Ian Boyd, who's going to break down some team news. We're, we're very fortunate to have Coach Williams with us today, who's going to talk to us about the rehire of Coach Gilbert and what that means. And then our very own Paul Wadlington is going to serve as our quiz master. But let's get started, shall we? Let's move over to you, Ian. What is going on with team news? Well, Eric... And uh, our staff at Inside Texas published a long bit yesterday with a, a number of items about different players and how they're developing so far in the offseason. And uh, everyone should go read it. Hit subscribe. It's a dollar right now. Is that right? That's right. A dollar. First right, only a dollar. Yeah. Subscribe. Go read it. Um, but I had some of my own extrapolations from the, the notes that were presented. Um, here's, here's some of the things that stood out to me. One is that Jeray Bledsoe, who was a highly recruited defensive tackle that I don't believe he redshirted last year, but he didn't play just a ton. Um, he's just been getting rave reviews since he's been on campus. At one point he was called the best pound for pound athlete on the team. Okay. And he's like six, three, he was like six, three, two seventy at the time. He's up to like two eighty. Um, then now he's being described as just refusing to be blocked. Just an extremely fierce competitor in the box. Um, I don't, he's going to be hard to keep off the field. And his, but the trick of it is, is that his normal position you'd think would be as a three technique who's uh, shooting gaps and trying to play in the backfield. I think that they might play him at nose next year and maybe even start him at nose because of uh, just, you want him on the field. You don't want him to take away from a position like Alfred Collins is your three technique and you don't want to move Alfred Collins. God knows it took forever to get him comfortable where he is now. Um, and I, I think the nature of the scheme actually protects the nose a little bit. Like Byron Murphy was free to attack teams quite a bit at nose last year. And he wasn't just getting doubled all the time because they don't put their nose like smack dab in the middle. Uh, they'll shade him a little more out. So um Dre Bledsoe may end up being a starter. How he's used is going to be really interesting. Trey Moore, they listed the UTSA transfer, was, was one source described him as a uh, the most explosive edge on the team, which is notable because they've been recruiting that position pretty well now. And Colin Simmons is on campus. So if Trey Moore is your most explosive edge, that's a good sign because he's like a veteran and he's probably going to play. And it just tells you that this guy didn't come to, to split time or to, to have some little bit role. He came from UTSA to Texas to, to start and to potentially be like the sack leader, high impact player. Um, and then, I don't know, There's there's been some others we could get into. Isaiah Bond, people think will be the number one receiver as things currently stand. And the, the team athleticism overall, uh, is is just very high right now. There's just guy after guy gets mentioned. That's a young guy. That's like this guy is, this guy's going to become something. This guy's going to be hard to keep off the field. 
Um, I don't know if the team athleticism has been this high since like uh, the mid 2000s of the Mac era, probably. Maybe Paul can speak to that, but uh, it's something else right now. One thing I, I'd love to point out, especially obviously these, these things are coming from the articles on the website. This is precisely what Paul was talking about in his article earlier this week about what a difference a year makes. I think sometimes we we love to project based on, you know, past experience or past knowledge, but that certainly doesn't predict future performance. And Paul, I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit, because this is precisely what you were talking about earlier last week. Yeah, uh, I think that's the Jure Bledsoe is the, the classic case of the guy that we weren't talking about him. Right. He's almost you tend to remember the guys that, you know, are going to start or have started. And then you you get all excited about the incoming freshmen and you forget the class before that. Right. That always happens. But those are the guys that we need. Those are the guys we need to show out. And we need three or four of those guys to explode. And if not be a starter, be a problem, be a guy that can get out there for 400 snaps over the course of the year. And when they're out there, they're a problem because they're playing like with their hairs on fire. They're getting their 25, 30 reps and uh, they're just bringing it. And, and they have, you know, specializations often. And I think Jare Bledsoe might, might fit into that mold. The Trey Moore info is really encouraging. And I'd be interested in Coach Williams' perspective on this because what I've observed is that the second and third teamer, former five stars that are transferring out from Georgia and Bama, they don't hit as well as the G5 guy who dominates and then transfers to the, what used to call P5, no more. Now it's the super two and the other two, I guess, is what I call it. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I would love to talk to you about this guy, Coach Williams, but like if a guy like Ricky White, who you were familiar with at UNLV, had he transferred out, he, he would have done just fine. Uh, playing for one of the big boys, in, in my opinion. Whereas often the fans get more excited about the high-profile guy at Georgia who couldn't crack the lineup, and now you think he's going to be a superstar for you. And the truth is these G5 guys like Trey Moore that absolutely dominate their level of competition, their track record of scaling up to the next level is actually really good. So I was just curious – What's your perspective on that? Yeah, honestly, I, I agree with you, right? The, the group of five guys can really play. You have more game reps. And a guy who's on a Power 5 program or a Power 2 now, if you haven't played much, when you get out there, you're still learning as you go. But the guys who have a lot of playing experience at the group of five level, they know what it looks like. And, and people say, what's well, the speed of the game? Honestly, the biggest difference between maybe a group of five and Power 5 is the trenches you may have bigger guys in the trenches in the power five level but as far as athlete for athlete it is the exact same and i've seen it up close there's no difference so those guys who have game experience once they do transfer up to bigger levels it's just learning a new system honestly you're just playing football at that point let's transition a little bit we've, we've got a recent hire a rehire actually in coach gilbert coming in and <clears throat> This is something I think the what the fans would really appreciate or our listeners, our readers would appreciate is maybe a better understanding of not only who Coach Gilbert is, but the role that he's going to perform for Sarkeesian. This is actually this is a low key big deal having him back on campus. And I'd love for you to expand on that if you would, Coach. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, a guy who coached in my hometown of Greenville, Texas, to see him get an opportunity like this is huge because it doesn't happen often. 
um, who he is. He's a member of THSCA, which is the Texas High School Football Association here in Texas. So he's has a ton of relationships in the DFW area, but just the neighboring states as well. Um, he was recently at Texas, you know, as a high school relations guy. So the, the go to the go between guy between high schools and the University of Texas. He, so he was responsible of scheduling camps, uh, getting those guys to Texas on clinics, learning what Texas does so they can take it back to their high schools. And, you know, as a kid comes on campus, if you're already kind of familiar with what Texas does, it's easy. It's an easier transition. Um, stepped away and became the tight ends coach and assistant head coach at UNT this past season, uh, where he continued to kind of build, build that pipeline for the DFW, uh, DFW kids. But now he's back at Texas with the off the field role. Um, and that was, so what was he, the executive assistant to Steve Sarkeesian? Right. He's going to have his hands in many, many, many places throughout the uh, recruiting on campus, recruiting, um, doing everything that Sark needs to do off the field. So that he doesn't have to worry about it. So Coach Steve Sarkeesian can really focus on coaching football and not have to worry about the small details. Uh, he's going to handle NFL scouts coming uh, on campus, you know, giving them a room to watch film, uh, giving them access to the medical facility so that they can find out about every single player. Uh, there's something schedule wise that needs to happen maybe in the community, he's going to help schedule that, right? So he's going to be in every, going to have his hands in every part of the department uh, at Texas. And I think uh, having him back is really, really huge because, man, everybody loves Chris Gilbert, man. His personality is just, he's the guy you want to be around, right? Parents love him, kids love him. And so it's going to be a huge addition back to the Texas staff. So I had a question about that specifically, actually, because I'd always heard that about Chris Gilbert. And Coach Williams, you don't have to comment on this necessarily, but my perspective on Texas high school football coaches is they're very good, broadly speaking, right? Very competitive. Uh, they are often supportive of each other, but if you have too much success or if you rise, there's a lot of like back chatter. It could be a little sewing circle at times, right? Certain guys could be resented for their success or they'll say, well, look at what he's got, you know, look at his, his pipeline, look at the athletes he has, whatever. Chris Gilbert is sort of universally liked and respected that's not very common. Why? Is it just because he's this great dude? Like, wh what's it about? He's, he's a genuine good guy. Like, he's, he cares about the kids, and that's the most important thing. If a, if a coach feels like you're going to take care of his kid at the next level, they want to send him to you, right? Because they come from the same, neck, you know, same struggle that you do, you know, coaching these kids, trying to give them to practice. You know, you're out there chalking the lines as a coach. Like, you've done everything that they're doing. And now they respect you because you did the same line of work as them. You did put in the same work, the same grind as them. So now when you're at the next level, they trust you. They trust you. Hey, I want my kid to go play for you because you're just like me. And that's huge. That's a huge factor. And, and you know, sending a kid to Texas where he's at. Love it. There's nothing quite as boring as a org chart. But I'm just curious, how, how does Coach Gilbert fit into this? It seems like based on his title and what we're learning for right now, like he's his direct, he's the direct report to Sarkeesian. That's his guy. So is, is this the type of thing where all these other departments that have been established, the GM role, the director of recruitment, all those, are they now going to filter up to Chris and Chris is the go between, between the coach and the rest of the, the rest of the operation. Is that your sense of it? I feel like he's a helping hand to each one of those department heads. Um, so he may be the assistant or co, you know, GM, co-director of recruiting, co-high school relations guy, right? So he's going to help in every department. But um, essentially, 
work with those guys to work with their uh, departments. All right. So department work with the department heads and then everybody that's up under those department heads, he kind of filtered the message from Coach Sarkeesian. Whatever Coach Sarkeesian wants off the field, Chris Gibbons is going to be the voice. And then he'll work with that department head to get the message delivered. Based on some of our previous conversations and in, in trying to get into the the minutiae and the machinations of recruiting and all the little steps that that are nuanced that maybe the general consumer of college football doesn't fully understand. Is this having these types of relationships with Coach Gilbert? Is this is this a situation where head coach in Waco can just jump on a phone call or send him a text and say, hey, I got a guy. Is that the is that the way this thing works? Uh, essentially, yes. That's that's really how it works. If you have a guy, you have a track record that he normally sends you guys that can really, really play, then you're going to have way more trust in him. Or if you coached against him, you know he coaches guys who are tough, they're mentally tough. So when you do and they do come on campus, you know what kind of player you're getting based on what type of coach they had. So it is that kind of relationship where, you know, I see it now like, the Texas high school uh, football group that we have with a lot of head coaches and coaches in the Texas area congratulating him. They're genuinely happy for him, but he's in that group. He's active, right? And so they can reach out via text or DM and say, hey, Chris, I got a guy you really need to check out. Not necessarily I want you to offer him. I want you to check him out. I want you to evaluate him, right? And if he has a passing grade, go ahead and offer him. And then when it comes down the road, a big guy say, you know, recent years was like Manny Muhammad, who was at South Oak Cliff or Coach Gilbert, mm-hmm. you know, went to school there, right? He had a great relationship with that, with him and that school and that staff. That, that plays a key role and key piece of like a landing a guy like that because you have their relationship. So they can text you and say, hey, yeah, this is what this kid is thinking. This is what he's wanting. You know, this is what kind of scheme he wants to play in. This is what he wants to major in. You have the inside track. And so that really, really helps when it comes time to try to, you know, get that kid to sign with you. It's amazing. That's really good insight. I appreciate that, Coach. Thank you so much. And we've got a quiz that Paul wants to offer us today, and, and I am frankly terrified. So, Paul, the floor oh, good. is here. I'm going to put you – oh, yeah, keep keep Coach Williams as the, as the highlight. We're going to put the, all the questions <laughs> at him first. No. Uh, okay, this is all – all of you gentlemen can answer. Uh, you're not going to be evaluated or judged, even though – you know, yes, we are. There's thousands of people watching you. So. I don't think you know how the comments section work, Paul, but that's all <laughs> that's right. A good point. I, I have read the YouTube comment section and, and grown tremendously as a person from it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start easy, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. We talked about the big two. We talked about the, the P2 now, as Coach Williams said, and sort of the, the other two or, or whatever, we wanna, how we want to classify these things. Uh, I've written, you know, months ago that there's only two conferences that matter now. Um, Maybe that's an exaggeration, but it's kind of like what it's shaping up to be. This might reinforce that point, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it shows that there's a chance for other teams to break through. I'll start easy. Since the year 2000, gentlemen, there have been three schools that have won a national title that are not in the current SEC or Big Ten. That's not many. Name those schools. Since the year 2000? I'm going to go the year 2000 of our Lord AD. <laughs> I, I got it. I'm going to well, go name for it. One. These are ACC schools. All right. It's, you no, know, USC, mm-hmm. Florida State, and Clemson. Now, hold USC's on. USC's a, a Big Ten team, Ian. Yeah, that's uh, that's where he was going to trick you on that. Oh, no. Yeah, you're in the power two now. Yeah. yeah. I blew it. That's right. Uh, so you didn't have it, did you, Ian? You didn't have it. And everyone saw it. Everyone saw. Wow, I, this is just, this took a turn. I don't know that I'm prepared for this. Three teams 
Who am I missing? I can't. I don't. I have no idea. Ian, what you I'm named missing. Florida State. Is that correct? Yeah, he, yeah. Did. he did. That is one of them. Coached by Jimbo Fisher, which proves Coach Williams that anyone can win a national title. Wow. Sure. All right. Okay. <laughs> What's another? There's two other teams left. We named Florida State since 2000. Well, LC had Clemson already. That was the first one. Okay. You go Clemson, coached by Dabo. Yeah. Yeah, third and final team. Used yeah. had a run of dominance in the late eighties and through the nineties. Yeah. Co- coach, the coach most got talented it. college football. You're talking Miami? Yeah, Miami. Miami. Yeah. And who were they coached by, LC, in two thousand one? Oh God, that would have been uh it's Larry Coker, but that's Larry Coker. Coker. Was it Coker? It was proving it's once again <laughs> anyone can win a national title. <laughs> if you got the if you got the Jimmys and the Joes. You, you just need to provide good enough X's and O's, right? Paul, you got this should become a Miami. Uh, I know it. It's on the Ken tip Dorsey. of my tongue. Bring it, Coach Williams. It's Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey. Yeah. And there were a lot of fools trying to hype that dude for the Heisman. And then he played the Ohio State defense with a bunch of NFL guys. And uh, he revealed that he would not be uh, winning the Heisman. Hey, Paul. Uh, all right, guys. That was our first one. Oh, this should be learned from the fact that there's only been three schools since 2000 that are non-current SEC or non-Big Ten. Uh, is there is there an obvious point to that? That is this going to continue? Are we still going to have teams breaking through, or are we just going to have a bunch of Big Ten and SEC champions from here on out? Well. One thing I'd love to do is just take this opportunity to hype up another video that we've just done. This was a massive conversation that Paul, Ian, and I had, and I'm going to make our, I make, I don't make our producer do anything. I'm going to ask our producer to go ahead and put a link up in there because it really does lay out a lot of what Paul is talking about. My suggestion or answer to your question here, Paul, is that the thing that I am worried about is you have these powers in the SEC and the Big Ten already powerful. And with these expansion in the playoffs, you, you're already starting to see some of the Machiavellian uh, insi- or instincts that they're putting. You're saying like, well, hold on. We want more guaranteed spots in there than we already have, which are, which are inherent to them. So I, my fear is it's going to be a hell of a lot harder if you're out of those two, even if you have an amazing season, to get there just because the playoffs are going to be so stacked with those teams. You nailed it. And it's it's really – they're already – those two conferences are Usain Bolt in a 100-meter race. Now there's a tailwind. And the tailwind is only hitting lane three where Bolt right. is, right? I mean, yeah. it's not fair. So, uh, you know, the Big 12 is going to have to do a Ben Johnson training regimen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Try to catch up. Uh, speaking of the Big 12, gentlemen, let's talk about the old – Texas Conference for the Longhorns. There have been 30 Big 12 titles. So one of the reasons I say that it's two conferences that matter, it's not just what those conferences gained. It's what other conferences lost, right? And what other conferences will continue to gain as they're perceived as the only show in town. To reinforce that point, there have been 30 Big 12 champions in the history of that league Outside of the Big 12, anyone want to guess how many Big 12 championships are outside of the Big 12 now? In other words, being held by former Big 12 teams now outside of that league, 
of that 30, does anybody have a, a decent guess off the top of their head? No Googling. No, no, but you've got those Nebra that Nebraska run was a big run. You've got Texas OU is out. It's, uh, in Texas. That's big. All right. AM is out. It's, uh, AM. AM, yeah. AM and Nebraska are the two. Got it. Ones. Those are the four teams. Those four teams combined have 21. 21. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Ian. I I had the right I had the right number. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So Ian just wants everybody before the comments section hit, Ian got it right, guys. Everybody those of you playing at home. But so AM twenty one of the thirty Big Twelve titles are now outside of the Big Twelve, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of reinforcing our point. Uh OU had fourteen of them, so an unfortunate hat tip to the Sooners on that one. Texas has four, Nebraska has two, AM got that one. Yeah. Sir Parker, Sir straight Parker. out of Compton. Remember that play-by-play call? Uh, so the current Big 12 now has nine titles. Nine of the teams in the, in the new Big 12 or old Big 12, it's a combination, nine teams have never won a title. And we're talking about Texas Tech. We're talking about Iowa State, those schools. Of the remaining teams still in the Big 12, does anyone know who has the most Big 12 titles? Is it Oklahoma State with one? No, it's Baylor. Yeah, Baylor. It's a tie. Ian got one. Oh, Baylor Kansas and State. Kansas State. State. Kansas State. Tied yeah, that's true. So one thing that is going to be kind of cool about the new Big Twelve is if you just want to watch like decent, like good competitive football, where every game is going to be decided by about a touchdown. Uh, that's going to be the new Big Twelve because legitimately, I think two thirds of the team in this league can win the league any given year. And that's not really the case in most conferences. We'll see. We'll see if that proves out. All right. You guys ready for one final quiz? This is some, a little bit of opinion. You guys ready? I might do better at this then. All right. I, we're all good at opinion. And uh, what you pay for it is what you get, which is it's free. <laughs> it's uh, right. Bill Connolly, ESPN analytics guru, recently came out with his S&P Plus. It's way too early for 2024. But nonetheless, we're going to talk about it because it's the silly season, the doldrums of February, right? Uh, the 10 teams that he lists in the top 10 in order on his SP plus rankings. These are analytic rankings of not only your returning production, also your transfer production. It also takes into account your recruiting classes, uh, coaching changes, some stuff like that. Okay. So the 10 teams he names are Georgia, Ohio state, Oregon, Texas, Michigan, and Alabama still there. Penn state, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, and LSU. Gentlemen, and I'll start with you, Coach Williams. Mm. Not all those teams are going to make the playoffs simply because of the structure of the playoff. Give me a team out of those 10 that will not be making the playoff in 2024. LSU. LSU. Take your time, Coach. I don't want you to rush into it. Just think about it. You got it. Why? (laughs) I'm starting a new quarterback, right? So you never know what – every team starts off every year as a new team, no matter what. Uh, but even though I like Nelson Meyer, start a new quarterback. He has to replace Daniels, like a Heisman winner. That's going to be tough, right? you got a new defensive coordinator. They're learning a new scheme. You lost the offensive coordinator, so you're learning a new offense or, you know, a new way of calling plays with the new OC. So you have a lot going into a new season. Even though you have some returning starters, a lot of young guys – they're learning a new system, a new way of doing things. And so when you start a new quarterback, which is the most important player on the team, it can be tough. 
So uh, in a tough SEC schedule, we'll see how it goes. But that would be my pick. I like that pick. And I'll also add, watch their defense. Uh, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty last year. I think they're going to improve, but I still think they have some work to do there. All right. No one may choose LSU. Coach Williams has taken that off the board. Of those remaining teams, and if you want me to read them off again, I'm happy to do so. Uh, give me a team that is not making the playoff. And if you say Texas, we're just going to end the podcast. We're going to end the show. <laughs> I, I'm going to take it. This is, this is the Stephen A. Smith hot take. I'm going to go with uh, the lane train. Even though they are they are absolutely stacked on this thing, the the amount of talent that they brought in, they're hitting the transfer portal like it's nobody's business. There's something about the way that Lane game manages and runs through this. I there's a there's just and again, I don't necessarily have the 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 analytical understanding that that coach is presenting here, but there's just something about lane having all these toys to play with i want to see him prove that he can do something with it he's he's now has no excuses the the team is absolutely stacked across the board this is lane kiffin this is a another offensive mind i just want to i want to see him prove it this year with what he's got going so i would i'm curious as to see whether he can pull that off I, I like that. Um, that would have been one of my picks as well. And to Coach Williams' point, he made early in the pod. Sometimes the big difference, not just between G5 and, and the next level, within the level, there are levels. And when you watch Ole Miss play in Alabama or Georgia, they get physically wrecked at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Even though they've got skill dudes for days. And they've had them. for. I mean, dude, they got guys in the NFL that are physical freaks, right, who are – the new breed of receiver in the NFL, and they couldn't do much against those teams because they were getting wrecked at the line of scrimmage. Always something that you've got to address. And we just had a national champion based on the strength of their play on the line of scrimmage, Michigan. Right. Ian, who Ole ain't Miss making is, it? Uh, Ole Miss is sort of like a glorified Big 12 team in style mm-hmm. and in composition. Yeah. Can I, I think I know what I want to say, but I, can I hear the remaining options sure. one more time? Georgia, if you have – some real hangers, some clackers, you'll pick Georgia right now and stake your claim. Georgia, <laughs> Ohio State, Oregon, Texas, Michigan, Alabama, Penn State, and Notre Dame. Okay. Well, I wanted to go against Oregon. Okay. But I think Michigan is a pretty easy call at this point. Um, they lost almost every good coach from the staff. Most of them followed Harbaugh. They lost their, I believe, the entire offensive line, the quarterback, um, and the running back. And they have Texas in their own building in week two. If they if they have a rough start and they just get blown out in their own building by the Longhorns in week two, I mean they're just going to be up against it, right? So I know they have a they do have a lot of remaining talent that's really good, but. Them, them and Alabama both. I, I just think that it's going to be really hard to put it together and maximize in, in amongst their with their tough schedules to get to the to get to those seeds, especially with the the Big Twelve like stealing a spot and then like the Sun Belt stealing a spot. Are, are you in, so? This was one of my things that I was pushing against myself with the Ole Miss thing. Just just the fact that what Paul alluded to earlier, 
I mean, there's a lot more opportunity for those SET, SEC and Big Ten teams. Are you are you saying even even if Mich- you don't see Michigan finishing in the top two or three of the Big Ten is what you're saying? Right. Because, I okay. mean, it's not hard. Like, Ohio State will probably be very good. They will probably be in the top. That's one of the top three spots, right? And then you have USC now. You have Oregon. Penn State, especially if they don't – I don't remember if they play Michigan and, and Ohio State this year, but if they if you knock one of those off the schedule, that's a that's an automatic L that goes away, right, for James Franklin. Um and then you like you get any kind of upstart team, like Washington has a surprisingly good year one with leftover players. Or Paul, I picked the wrong one for Paul. Or uh, I don't know. Oh, they got they got plundered in the portal, didn't they? Yeah, or maybe Wisconsin. USC. Yes. I mean, I mean, there's just it's not that hard to get knocked down outside of the top three in the Big Ten now if you're Michigan. I like it. Yeah. All right, great answers, and we'll close with this, gentlemen, if you're game. We name those 10 teams, and you you talked about your exclusions. There's going to be a team that's not in that top 10 that's going to make the playoff. That's almost guaranteed. Name that team. And I'll start with mine since I'm putting you guys, I'm grilling you. No, I want to hear, who are you? Who do you have not making it, Paul? Uh, it's actually the, the teams you guys mentioned. Um, okay, yeah, that's very convenient. Me, okay, the Big Ten is between Michigan and Penn State, but I actually kind of like Penn State with K, uh, KU's new offensive coordinator. That guy's a stud. Um, all right, there's going to be a team that's not going to make it, and I'll start off since I've been grilling you guys. Uh, it's a well, well now, now you get to steal, whereas <laughs> before there were a number of good options. Now there's like you guys, only a couple you guys can copy if you want. Okay. You guys could be unoriginal and just do what I do. Is that cool? All right. We always. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes experience meets schedule meets opportunity. And it's not about the team in a vacuum. I'm talking about the Missouri Tigers are going to make the 2024 playoffs. And if you're doubting it, understand that their schedule is very favorable. And to tell, give you an example why, Oklahoma is their second hardest game. And oh, I actually favor gosh. Missouri in that game right now. Oh, oh. What do you guys think? You know, they would have made it last year, I believe. I yeah. guess they would. And the they're experience. returning a lot of experience at quarterback, specifically, as, as Coach Williams talked about. And they're, they're returning you know, a fair amount of their talent. So I think there's an opportunity here. And I think mostly because of their schedule, not because I think Missouri's an amazing football team in a vacuum. What do you guys reckon? Hold on. Now, what's the what's the situation with the Florida State quarterback? DJ. Yeah. I mean, how do we how do we feel about them? Because they obviously didn't get a shot at it last year. How do we feel about them getting in? They lost a lot. Uh, But Mike Norvell is really good in the transfer portal. not so great at necessarily recruiting uh, high school guys so far, but I'm just looking at their league. That's the thing I'm thinking about is like who they're, who they're playing and who they, who they're going against in terms of the losses of their opponents. Here's the thing about the ACC and I'll, I'll make my prediction here and I could be horribly wrong, but the ACC, the very top, the elite of the ACC are better than the elite of the big 12, whoever that might be in any given year. The middle to bottom of the ACC is worse than the big 12. Right. Like 
there's some bad football teams in the ACC that you can just put in the W column unless you self-destruct. And so the thought is that Florida State can amass enough talent, enough coaching, enough home field advantage that they're not going to drop stupid games. And then it's going to be a little round-robin tournament with, with Clemson and, you know, the other – whatever, you know, other team emerges, right? Right. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Florida State. All right. Yeah, that's wrong. That's that's the wrong. I understand. Opinion. I appreciate that. That's wrong, and I'm okay. just waiting for the comments section to get absolutely roasted on that. <laughs> what do you got, Coach Williams? Um, uh, we're only picking from the SEC or Big Ten, right? No, no, no. It could be. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you're. It could be from anywhere. You could take oh, liberty. Anywhere. Man. Look, I'm gonna make this easy. U N L B. They're out of Bravo, baby. <laughs> There's a All level right. of homerism there that's just phenomenal. Hey, I'm just saying, a lot of returning players. Who's the quarterback? Brumfeld? Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tight competition. But they got oh. some veteran players. They got, yeah, they got Little. transfer from Holy Cross is really good. I got graduate transfer from Campbell, who's good. It, it's Ricky White State. <laughs> How we're going to talk about why Ricky White stayed maybe off camera because okay, I want to know the inside scoop on that. We uh, got Casey Kane. Well, I say we see, I'm still there as Homer, yeah. but Casey Kane's there, right? Yeah. So he got some help on the other side. Adelon, hopefully, he can have a healthy season. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, so the defense is going to be good. You got Jaden Catalan back there with his former defensive coordinator from Arkansas. So he knows the defense. It's, it's, it's going to be a good look. They got a good chance to run the Mountain West Conference and make it into the playoffs. All right, they're going to be the 12 seed. You heard it here first. Hey. LC, my quizzing, my testing is over. All of you have what? passed. You've distinguished yourselves well. I'm impressed. I don't get to, I don't get to answer the question? No, no, sorry. Oh, I was I supposed to cut you off. Uh, I missed that opportunity. I'm sorry, Ian. Go, go ahead, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I'm going to keep my hands up here so you can see them. I'm going to let you chat. We almost pulled it off again. All right. You know, I was going to – I was going to blow this um, and pick Notre Dame, but then I looked at their schedule and they open at A&M against Riley Leonard's former head coach, which is a little bit scary. And then they so finished the year. Notre Dame, and here's why. They were in the top 10 by S&P. <laughs> oh, they were? They were. Okay, well, easy. Coach made it easy anyway. I, I almost blew this. Uh, Liberty. Oh. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Liberty is is so well positioned to just dominate Conference USA, and they would have been in last year. Is so. Caden Salter coming back? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, he is. Okay, yeah, he is. He's actually going back. Then, then, Did they pass the basket around at the church? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Texas is own Caden Salter. So true. We thank you all for checking in with us on this Saturday. We hope you guys have a great weekend. We're here every Saturday in the offseason talking about nonsense like this. As the season progresses and we get closer to spring ball, and obviously when we are getting into live SEC and non-conference play, we're going to have Coach Williams there for us, giving us our scouting reports. We're going to have the entire team giving us team reports and what's moving forward. So this is the spot to be for your pregame action. We do appreciate you checking in InsideTexas.com. $1 a month for that first month. There is absolutely no excuse. The content there is way better than what you just experienced here. Check us out. We appreciate you being here. Hook them.